It is featured in the center point of our story today, where Mary does this reckless, extravagant thing by pouring a, a whole pound of pure nard on Jesus' feet and wiping his feet with her hair. It goes beyond a normal practice of hospitality, which would be to wash someone's feet when they come into your home, or to give them oil for their parched skin, perfumed to cover up the fragrances of the garden, which are not so good. It is a reckless, extravagant act of gratitude, of worship, of generosity, of presence, but the thing I love most about it is that it fills the whole house with friends. And nard, I did a little bit of research, it comes from this plant called spike nard, which grows in the Himalayas. It's not from Palestine, it came from far away for this act of worship. The Latin name of it is Nardostachus yadamansi. And it's expensive even today. Not a whole year's worth of wages expensive, but if you were to buy a pound of nard, it would probably cost you $500. Extravagant generosity, extravagant gratitude. And I love that it fills the whole house with fragrance because this act of worship is not just with Mary. It's not even just between Mary and Jesus. This act of worship is a blessing to the whole community. It's inescapable, even. It fills the whole house, the whole room, blessing everyone, blessing the whole community. And I wonder if worship is always like this, that it's not just about us and what we do in our house by ourselves, or even in the pew in your own little space. But is it also a blessing for the whole community? Does my worship, my presence to God, affect you? And when you express gratitude, generosity, worship, does it affect the person next to you? Does it affect me? Is this just a natural byproduct of worship? I love, too, that Mary's worship, this act of presence and generosity, is embodied. It's not just her mind or her heart or her words. It is sensory. It fills the whole house with fragrance. It's the feel of oil on her skin and Jesus' feet.
happens in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And not too long before Lazarus was in a cave, his body lifeless and decaying. And Mary and Martha were outside overcome by deep grief. Jesus arrived too late to heal Lazarus before he died. And when Martha approaches him when he comes, she says to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's both an expression of deep sadness, grief, but also trust. She knew that Jesus could have done something. But then she follows it up with this even more crazy expression of faith, of belief. She says, Jesus, even now I know that God will do whatever he does. Does she know what's coming? And then Mary runs out to Jesus and she says the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She too is in deep grief. She throws herself at Jesus' feet even. But in her statement, I hear more the depths of despair. Disappointment. Why weren't you there? Maybe even anger. And Jesus is so with her in that moment that he too weeps with her. And he goes to the tomb where Lazarus is. And he tells them to lift away the stone, and they don't want to because it's going to smell. Another smell in this passage, but this one of death, this one not bringing blessing, not bringing life, but bringing grief. And they lift away the stone, and Jesus lifts up his eyes and says, Thank you, Father, that you have heard me. And then he calls Lazarus by name. Lazarus, come out! And the man who was dead decaying in that cave gets up and he walks out. Breath in his lungs, his heart beating. But he's strangely not yet quite free. I don't know if you've noticed this before, but he's still wrapped in his grave clothes. He's still bound. And he needs help from other people. Jesus tells someone else, unwrap him, free him. Then we need that, don't we? Sometimes we need people to help us be free from whatever is binding us. And they rejoice because they have seen the power of God, God's extravagant compassion in Jesus. Christ entering into their grief. And bringing new life. And the crowd who have been wondering, is could Jesus have done something if he had been there? Is now overcome with joy and amazement, trust, belief. Though not everyone is happy about it, the religious leaders hear of this and they are angry and afraid. This is a dangerous thing, upsetting their power, their fragile security of their nation. And they plot to kill Lazarus and to kill Jesus. 
But those are stories for the weeks to come. Because this act of compassion and power from Jesus then moves to this dinner party. Celebrating Jesus, celebrating Lazarus, and they're all gathered around Martha is serving. She prepared a huge feast. And they're sitting around the table. Probably Lazarus is telling a story of what it was like to hear his name. And suddenly Mary comes in with this fragrant perfume. And we don't know if she bought it for this purpose. Or she had it already. Or she bought it for something else. But in this moment, she knew that this was the thing to do with it. That she was so overcome by gratitude and joy that she couldn't help She couldn't help but anoint Jesus' feet with oil. She was present there in that moment in that celebration. I wonder where you are in this story. Here at St. John's during the season of Lent, we've been asking questions to make space for God in our lives, doing a little bit of spiritual spring cleaning, asking what to clear out of our lives to make space for God, what to bring in, what to organize, what practices to take on, what things to give up. And when I look at this story through the lens of those questions, I notice a couple of I look at what Mary does, this act of worship, and it is, on one hand, extravagant, generous. She's giving something immensely valuable. An entire year's wages, that pound of pure non costs. I wonder what we give that's valuable. What is valuable to us that we bring to Jesus? And what she does is an act of total gratitude. She's bringing that joy and emotion, thanksgiving to Jesus, that there in that moment. But more than anything, what I see in Mary is presence. She is all there right then. She's there with Jesus. She's there with what she is feeling, and she's bringing it all. And I wonder what that would be like as something to bring into our lives. More presence right here in this moment. And then I see Judas, who's maybe the opposite of present. He seems a little bit aloof, kind of standing back, full of judgment and mixed motives. He's got one foot in this whole disciple thing and one foot out. He's thinking about the poor. He's got that much of Jesus' message that we've got to care for other people. But it's a bit more calculating. Because he's also thinking about what's in it for me. How can I maintain my own security? 
sure that I have everything that I need. Not wanting to take a risk. And how often are we like this? A bit judgmental, holding ourselves back, not fully present. Full of mixed motives. I feel that a lot. And maybe that's the thing to clear out. That when we are more fully present in the moment with whatever we're feeling, with Jesus, with those around us, maybe that automatically clears out that judgment. Maybe it helps us to be, to see the people in front of us for who they really are, not what we think that they should be doing. Where are you in this story? What does worship look like for you in this moment, in this season? Worship doesn't always look like Mary's act of gratitude. Though sometimes, Maybe that sign of extravagance, undignified action is called for. But also, I think that Martha and Lazarus were worshiping in that space. Martha with her service. Lazarus reclining at the table with Jesus, just present. Just with him. And sharing probably his story of what just happened to him, the joy that he feels. Those two are acts of worship. Or maybe you're not really at this dinner party. Maybe you're not feeling the gratitude this morning. Maybe you're still back outside the tomb in a place of mourning. Or maybe you're stuck inside the tomb. Or still wrapped in those grave thoughts. And then all those two are acts of worship. When Mary comes with her trust and her grief, her sadness, that is worship. And when Mary comes with just her deep sadness, throwing herself at Jesus' feet, weeping, angry, disappointed, that's all worship too. Where are you and what is God inviting you into? What does worship look like right where you are? And I'm gonna, we're going to take a couple minutes actually just to sit in silence, to be present right here in this moment, to be with Jesus. Because wherever you are, wherever you find yourself in this story, Jesus is present to you, calling you by name, inviting you to be with him. So take a couple moments, settle into your seats, be all here right now, and then I will close up some
Jesus, thank you that you are with us right where we are. That you are present with us in whatever season of life we're in, whatever state of mind we're in this morning. That you call us out of places where we feel dead. You meet us in our grief and in our joy. You call us by name. You call us into your life. Thank you for the community that worships together, that blesses one another by our presence. In your name, Amen.